You're listening to Bits and Pieces on Sunrise Robot. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Duncan, out of Gelsenkirchen, Germany. And I'm your other host, Michael Edwards, out of Denver, Colorado. And we thrive on the support of our listeners, so please check out sunriserobot.net slash support to see some ways you can help us out. It's episode 37. It's a prime number, isn't it? Yep. And uh, thankfully, I'm not in a hotel in Los Angeles now, so this should sound better. The The editing will be a lot less painful. Except for the fact that you're dead tired. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, almost 2 a.m. as we're recording here on Monday morning for me <laughs> and for you. Hey, Monday morning. For once, our times collide. <laughs> so we got some good topics this week. And first off, uh, apparently you had to file your first copyright infringement notice uh, yeah. on YouTube, was it? Yeah, I really didn't like doing it. Um my music is available for free on Bandcamp. I think I've said that a thousand times now in the hopes that people will download it. Um, now, free to download doesn't mean free to use for anything. I'm still using the regular copyright. I'm not doing creative commons with my current releases. Um, it's, it could change, but for now it's just regular copyright. So if people want to use my music for their YouTube videos or for anything, just go ahead, shoot me an email. There's a contact form and Unless it's something that I really completely disagree with, I'm going to give you permission. Because why not? I mean, it's free exposure. I, I don't complain about this. Well, the thing is, I want you to ask first because I do want to know who is using it. And I don't want to find out afterwards, like, what is this? I don't want uh, some... Yeah, Donald Trump's campaign. <laughs> yeah, that's a good example, right? current examples. I searched on YouTube and found somebody using my my music on the on the video on their speed paint video and it was only like 5 days ago at that point so I wrote in the comments and said uh, like can you please check your YouTube messages and send a YouTube message afterwards about hey maybe you asked for for permission but I can't find the email maybe you have a different username like I was giving them the benefit of the doubt like maybe they asked me yeah. and I just I'm not sure anymore and got no response and two days afterwards i sent another comment and, and wrote on their their youtube page i checked their um profile on this art page where they're active and there was a post from one day ago so they definitely had internet and yesterday i or two days ago i sent another email like please respond to this um otherwise i have no choice but to actually report the video for copyright infringement and I I felt like I had to do this to, just to get their attention because I get, didn't get any response. So no response. I filed a copyright claim. And then yesterday I finally got a response on my email um, <laughs> saying, yes, you're right. I'm sorry. I should have asked. Um, sorry, I didn't get permission beforehand. So the person understood completely what my complaint was. And yeah, now I deleted the video I was like, hold, hold on, hold on. You don't have to delete the video right away. I just wanted you to, I just wanted to get your attention. I just wanted to talk to you about this. Just do this and this, like put this in the description and all that and everything's fine. Um, and just understand that I would just like to get permission beforehand. And, uh, yeah, now I just didn't get a reply on that yet, but, um, it wasn't necessary and really felt shitty doing it. I really felt shitty filling out the form. The first time I filled out the form, I didn't send it. And instead, write that email of, I'm going to report this in about eight hours if you don't respond. I really didn't like it and I never want to do it again. So <laughs> any people out there, not even about my music in general, please ask for permission. You're going to make it a lot more un uncomplicated for everyone involved. And 
believe me, usually artists like to give you permission and unless it's really something they completely disagree with. Yeah. Well, on another topic, you're, you're kind of reconfiguring your, your music setup. So hopefully yeah. you can do some improvisational live sound, uh, one man band stuff. So what goes into this? How, how much are you setting up? What are you figuring out? What cobwebs are you brushing aside? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm brushing right. There's a lot of cobwebs. So. In the last year, all the music I've produced was just on a shitty $30 uh, MIDI keyboard. And sometimes I used the lounge pad just to trigger some samples, but it's not really necessary. The rest is done with the mouse. So all the stuff I've got on, the, on my right hand side here, and you've seen it in the live videos. That's a ton of stuff. It's been completely unused for about a year and I felt really shitty about it. And now I'm starting to rework my way into it again because it's a very complicated setup and I'm completely revamping it and I'm very fine to it now. And the the problem is always this live looping, If you, especially if you're on your own, like I don't have anybody else to loop with. Now, the problem is always that you have to bridge the gap between being very flexible and everything still still being manageable. And I already got a hundred thousand knobs on there that I can turn and push and do various things with. But at some point, you you can't control it anymore. It's just too much to handle. And <laughs> I don't know, it, it, it just blows all seals. So, um, yeah, I'm working my way into it again with multiple loop machines, um, MIDI loop machines and sound loop machines effects and having it all done seamless. And now, so I've, I've practiced a little bit on it and did like a one hour jam. And so far it's working fine. It's, it's working fine. It's very flexible. I'd still need more sounds, more samples and all that. But my goal in the end is like streaming some, maybe a streaming on Twitch or somewhere. If Twitch allows it, I mean, sometimes Twitch can be really, finicky about um yeah you can only stream game stuff here maybe i can yeah. get my way through that and maybe sometime in the future i'm not ruling it out but it's not what i'm working um towards um maybe even play some live gigs that way but my goal is like tim exile way like tim exile does it just completely improvised one hour set and have almost nothing prepared beforehand yeah i imagine that'd be a a great way to generate just new song material because yeah, I'm sure you'll you'll come back to some of those things you improvise and be like, let's build something out of that. Yeah, yeah, I build a function in there that I can just capture anything that I'm currently looping onto a, a single clip, and I can get back to that clip and have everything contained, like export from the loop machine, and then I can listen to it a day after and say, hey, that was a pretty cool melody. That could be the chorus of a song. So that's the other thing I'm hoping that I can actually generate something from it because i used to do it that way most of the songs from the astray on letters i got the initial idea from looping some guitar stuff and it's mostly just guitar stuff and then i played some of those guitar melodies on the keyboard later on so this way i hope i get closer to a finished song right in the in the in the looping in the improvisation concept and yeah um maybe i'm gonna start live streaming about one two weeks from here um, as I said, I just need a few more sounds and so far I haven't used my foot pedals yet. I don't know if I'm going to introduce the guitar to this thing yet. <laughs> it isn't even your final form. No, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm going to keep you posted on that and I really hope that something comes out of that. Yeah. And 
I'm gonna hate myself in a few years when I say, hey, let's play some live shows. And it, I've spent <laughs> two hours rewiring cables because with Windows, if you don't use the same USB port every time, it um, detects it as a different device. That and I is had a lot really, of really dumb. <laughs> That's the dumbest thing ever. And so far, if I now my launch, everything's connected. I don't pull it out. It's just on a hub. So right now my launchpad is detected as launchpad three. So I've had tried yeah. two other USB ports before just to get to that point where it always detects it. <laughs> um, I wish I had something to say about uh, my recent music endeavors, but I've got so many other irons in the fire. But <laughs> the one thing I can say is I'll have some gig reports soon because um, Montropo's first show with its new lineup, we have a new drummer and bass player, um, Josh and Jordan, um, very cool guys, really excited to, to, we've been practicing a lot and just really good vibes, really, uh, some of the most exciting feelings about these songs, uh, as far as our, our playing and our live show and our sound goes. Um, I, I can't wait. And I'm on keyboard now, so there's kind of some new elements and not just, uh, the, the basic guitar stuff that was in the mix before. So um, I'll try to capture some of that somehow, um, at least with my my report of how it goes. Um, but other than that, I have done none music recently. <laughs> but wasn't there this one instance where you sh shot me a message about, "Hey, I've got this idea yep. that I'm working on," and yep, okay, I'm gonna leave it at that. Do you still <laughs> do you still have the um, the single the stems of lives on your desktop? from two no, years ago <laughs> no i admitted i was not doing anything with them anytime soon no i i have so many good intentions but as we all know that's not a finished product yeah. um yeah I'm, I'm at a kind of crossroads of like do i have time in my life to produce new music of my own and i kind of don't right now but um you know I, I i see in the next six to 12 months some some things being moved around and maybe i'll find some time um, but I've, I've got this whole new career I'm trying to build of, of doing graphic design and animation. And I already feel like I don't have enough time to excel at, fa you know, like move fast enough. Like I'm learning everything I possibly can every week. And yet there's, there's never enough time for that even. So, um, not to, to have my whole existential life's work conversation out here. Um, but we'll see. It's always a we'll see. But I mean, at least you still get to do music, like in Montropo. I mean, you're playing live more than I do right now. So at least yeah. again, those experiences. And no, so far, I, your gigs report have been, have, reports have been more or less positive. Sum it all up. <laughs> Ish. Um, yeah, I know. I, I like staying connected that way. And, uh, you know, I love playing for other projects. And it's not like I'm just a, a hired gun. I'm, I'm, getting to contribute creatively to, to the way those live shows get put together. So one part of music production, at least sometimes, is writing lyrics. So, yeah, people can sing to it. Um, now, I've been mostly producing instrumental music for the very reason that I really suck at writing lyrics. I like singing and I can come up with reasonable, well-sounding melodies for vocals the problem is, what do I say? Now, if I would just be singing gibberish or do it like um, Sigur Ross and just invent my own language, I would have no problem. <laughs> and I was at the point of almost doing that. But problem is always, um, I can't come up with lyrics. And the problem comes twofold. So the first problem is, what the hell am I supposed to be talking about in the first place? Um, 
I always feel like, especially at my age, I don't, I don't have anything worthwhile to say that hasn't already been said before in a, in a better way. <laughs> and the other part is, even if I have a topic, like sometimes I think about things that I say, man, that's an experience I can write about. I kind of lack the active vocabulary to express myself. So it's, it's satisfying. Um, I mean, now we've been for almost a year now talking every week and I hopefully have proved that I'm kind of proficient in English. But the problem is still that there's a lot more that I can understand, but I can't express myself on the fly. So I'm always working with a, with a thesaurus. I always have to look stuff up and make double sure that, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not making any mistakes. I know there are some grammatical mistakes. I in wish letters. some English writers would make sure they weren't. <laughs> <laughs> they would do that diligence. So these are my main two problems. Like, what should I say and how should I say it? And I mean, that's generally everything that uh, that's, <laughs> has to do with lyrics. Because I said the melody isn't the problem. So yeah, I love your stuff and I love your lyrics. So, man, how do you do it? <laughs> Well, um, any any good lyricist has a lot of bad lyrics they have to go through either early That's in their true. career or even on the way towards every song. Um, I would I would say first off, you don't have to. You don't have to write lyrics. You don't have to sing words. Um, but if you want to, there are things you can do to try to get better. And I've always heard this for other kinds of writing, but one of the best ways to get better at writing is to read a lot. To just read the hell out of everything especially good stuff, um, novels, poetry, well, you know, whatever strikes your fancy, find a corner of it that's really good and read a lot of it because that'll just feed you and then kind of expand, show you what's possible. Because I mean, I feel like if you feel like a beginner at doing something, the first step is what is even possible, you know, before you can refine down to what's good or like, you know, what you really want to do, you kind of just have to know what can be done. And uh, I think that's why you want to go reach outside of yourself and find out what, you know, all sorts. Um, you, you probably have some artists whose lyrics you really like. Um, you can just dive deeper into what they're doing and see what it is about their lyrics you like so much. Is it a certain perspective, a certain point of view? Is it just cleverness or funny or or really seriously makes you think? Like what kind of angle is it? Um, but you know, when it comes down to the actual lyric writing, um, as you said, the, the melody isn't your problem. You can find melodies you like. And for me, that's always been the, the, the first part is the melody comes first. I can't, I can't take lyrics and invent a melody for it. It's, you know, I, I thought I could do that in high school. And then every time I tried it, it just ended up, the, the words had to change anyway. <laughs> um, but get your melody, even get it recorded into a form that you enjoy, even if it's not the final produced version, and live with that for as long as it takes. Um, you know, sing it in the shower, when you're driving around, whatever it is, um, and just just kind of track any phrases or thoughts or moods that you, you that strike you in relation to this melody. Um, you know, what is the song about? Even if you don't know exactly what it's about, you kind of feel what it's about. Um, and then you try to get, you just try to refine that from there. Um, you know, if you want actual like little life hacker, you know, like tips, I would say avoid cliches. And that's just me. Uh, if you're writing pop country songs, then run to the cliches because they sell. Um, these hotcakes are selling like themselves. That's a funny <laughs> tweet today. Um, 
But for me, it's about, you know, I want to be creative and kind of explore new places, but I want to sound like myself. I don't want to, I want to feel like I'm trying to become someone else. Like I'm, I'm, you know, well, he just wants to be Sufjan. So there's really clever, (laughs) he's singing about birds or whatever (laughs) Sufjan sings about. Um, so it needs to somehow feel like it's you, you know, some, some way. And, um, I don't know. Do these sound like useful tips? Some, some things you yeah, could try. Definitely. So, um, first of all, yeah, I, I already like to dissect other people's lyrics and see is just what you said. Like, what is interesting about them? What is different? Especially if I find a new artist and I like it really, much, uh, really a lot, I start to dissect the lyrics and see where the differences lie. And I always find it hard to apply that then to my lyrics without it, at least to me, seeming like I just copied the style. Even if somebody else wouldn't really notice or just wouldn't feel like it because just I, I saw the process behind it. So I, I always find it hard to just be like, oh, this is how it works. Let me do that. Uh, I, I don't know how to do it to my yeah. Didn't you um, ever feel that way about writing the music part, though? Like, oh, I like what they did with that song. And then you basically copy it. And then as you got better, you found that true. you, you yeah. could do your own thing in spite of really loving what someone else did. And I think it's the same with lyrics. I think you can find your own path, but maybe, you know, before you get good at that, it it is going to be a little bit of... (laughs) Just copy what the good guys guys do. I wanted to write an angry song like that guy's angry song. Yeah. So maybe I'm going to try it. Maybe maybe next time I'm I'm sitting down to to write some lyrics, I'm just going to imagine a song that has a different uh, uh, that has the same topic or atmosphere lyric wise um, even if it's if the music itself is completely different and see what kind of structure there is to those yeah. uh, and yeah, and the other thing is that um, what you just described about having that one first fra- uh, phrase or melody phrase and then something coming to you some thoughts or some words that you um, that you connect with that that's usually the way I do it like I usually just um um, break down everything I have in the song to just an acoustic guitar so I can just loop it all over and have a melody and at some point that melody just has some words, some intelligible words in it and usually those stay until the final form of the song and they are kind of the core of where I develop the, the lyrics from the problem is that I I don't have even the slightest hint of a recipe from from that point of how to develop <laughs> from that first idea, like I might have a very good hook for for the song and um i kind of for, for example i kind of like the the lyrics that happen in the chorus or the end section of lives which were the first thing that happened to me and then the rest was like yeah shit what do i do with the verse <laughs> and that that's kind of the problem i always feel like i'm filling gaps and i'm filling it with just filler with something yeah. that's nothing well i definitely um one thing i like to do is to prune i mean after i fill a song with lyrics um i i usually end up cutting a lot or you know i have an idea for five verses but the song just ain't going to support that or you know there, there there comes a point where you realize by adding more words you're taking away from the song and that it it somehow just is less impactful and so um i i'm definitely on the minimalist and i'm not a bob dylan i'm i'm not uh what your pick of the week is this week uh <laughs> a connor Oberst. not as i guess that's sort of a spoiler but um, they could have looked at the show notes to find out. Um, I'm not one of these prolific, I'm going to write a, a, you know, war and peace with all of my songs. I, I tend to like 
the amb- ambiguity of less of of evoking something but not you know I, i'm not writing prose i'm not writing tolkien like i, I don't need to explain it all so uh, i like to leave a little mystery i like yeah. to leave a little little bit of space for the listener yeah so like doing that and may- maybe you just gave me a very good tip of like you, you said you write five verses and in the end prune it down to two maybe i should start doing that usually i just write and when i have the last line filled i just leave it at that and maybe yeah. exchange something in the development of the song itself but maybe i should start just start writing lyrics for a song that's 10 minutes long and then <laughs> throw everything out so it's yeah. just seven minutes long let's just be honest i'm not getting below seven minutes anytime (laughs) soon yeah i mean the other thing i do is uh interesting phrases just occur to me in the most random times it's never when i'm sitting down to record um it's almost never then it's always i'm in public i'm walking around and you know i i had a phrase the other day i haven't used like uh his teeth were like a fanned out hand poker like a hand of poker and like for some reason this this person that i was around for a certain weekend a few months ago that when they smiled the the way their teeth were shaped (laughs) just that phrase popped in my head and i was like that's such a vivid like someone's weird toothy smile um and it, it it wasn't like ugly or anything it was like a it was just a fascinating thing and i don't know what that's for i don't know if i use that is it a character is it um, I don't know, a certain moment in the song, but yeah. capturing those things, like when they happen and just like a melody, you're, you're like, you know, the canonical example is you're in the shower, which is always when it's hardest to record something, but, um, you know, don't let it escape when that happens to you. So later you can be the engineer, the disciplined person that works through it. But, um, when the little wisp of inspiration pops out, don't let it run away. Yeah. And the other thing is that I also like having a little bit of mystery and it always ends in that my lyrics are really abstract and um, don't feel like there's connection to the real world at all. Like sometimes I can bridge that gap, but not always. And point is, I also really like abstract lyrics. Um, if you take a lot of uh, early folds, for example, they're the lyrics to, let's say, uh, Olympic Airways or Red Sox Beauty they're abstract as hell and i think to this day nobody has really interpreted them in any way that's maybe he didn't even i don't know what his thought was about but read those lyrics and you don't know what the hell he's talking about and (laughs) thing is i kind of like it and it you could do it the cheap way and just be like i'm just gonna use phrases that sound interesting but don't mean anything at all yeah and I, i think i said before that I actually do sometimes like to use things that just sound interesting and worry about the meaning afterwards. And sometimes it works out and then I just fine tune it a little bit to, to get yeah. into that direction. But I know, where, where do you stand on that? I, I know that when I write or when I read your lyrics there, there is a lot of uh, imagery that pops into my mind. And with other lyrics, there's just nothing, but I like both. And uh, yeah, yeah. where do I go with I, that? I definitely like to land with... The, the lyrics meaning something to me, I, even if they mean something else to someone else, that's fine. That's part of art. But, um, uh, I mean, there's definitely a temptation to be like, that just sounds interesting. Let's throw it in there. But I think ultimately it has to get somewhere where I, I kind of get what, what's going on. Um, but I, I think there's a wide latitude in this. Um, I, I, it's akin to poetry to me. There's so many kinds of poetry. There's metered, structured poetry. There's free form, stream of consciousness. There's, 
you know, all sorts of movements and styles and people like all sorts of different things. So I'm, I'm pretty open. Like, I don't think this is, you know, there's a right or a wrong, but I think for me personally, I like to, I like to know it's about something. Um, and I, I don't want to just fling paint on the wall, <laughs> see what sticks. But I, I get that as a, as, as a method of searching though. I mean, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. You sent me a book called Write Better <laughs> Lyrics. <laughs> yeah, I did. I read through that book. I did some of the the exercises in that and I felt like it didn't really do a lot because that book, I think, focused more on, on the structure. And as I said, like the structure and the melody and the rhythm, that, that's really not the problem and, and the phrasing. Um, and I, I kept a lot from that book. Like when I when I analyze other people's lyrics about which other phrases that they highlighted in which way by making them stick out in, in some way by altering the rhythm at that part or just emphasizing something. And that, yeah, but the, the actual lyric finding part in that book, um, I don't know, it didn't really help me. And the, the examples they had, they also, I didn't connect with them. I didn't, I didn't feel like those were lyrics that I liked. So yeah, um, on, on that topic in particular, that book didn't really help me. And uh, yeah, as I said, the structure and all that, it's, it's really good in that book. I, I really like the part of that. But mm-hmm. yeah, the actual content of the lyrics, I didn't find that book to be helpful, yeah. at least to me in, in that point. And I mean, one of the things that people get hung up on is rhyming, whether or not to rhyme. And I really don't worry about that at all. It, it happens. Sometimes it, something occurs to me or it's useful or it feels right to rhyme some phrases. But uh, it's not a goal when I write lyrics. Yeah. Um, and I think that could be very important. If, if you want pop music, you want music that gets stuck in people's head, by all means, you should pursue rhymes as one of your powerful tools. Um, and, you know, a little trick I picked up that I never use very often because I don't try to rhyme very much um, is if you have a kind of a mundane word and a very interesting word that rhyme, put the interesting word second, like have it be the second phrase because it'll just feel very, it'll feel clever. It'll be like, yeah. whoa, how'd this, how do you land that crazy kickflip trick um, <laughs> of, of rhyming that? Um, whereas the other way, it'll, it'll actually feel kind of cheap. Like, oh, he just fell back on this common word, like a plebe. So if you, again, if you're writing a kind of music where rhyming is a, a an important tool, that's one little hack. Um, yeah, I mean, I think this is something we could return to, especially if uh, you get to writing some more lyrics and you, you want to talk about them live on the show. Wouldn't that be Oh, fun? no, no. <laughs> I try to keep the vocals low in the song so don't, people don't even understand them yeah. in the first place and never write them down. Yeah. Maybe I'm gonna maybe I'm gonna do some live improvised singing while I'm live looping my electronic. <laughs> we'll see what comes from that. Put it in the butt. Put it in my butt. Or just have you on Skype and uh, provide the lyrics during the song. <laughs> so, in the life of a modern musician, one of the tools that pretty much everyone should at least dip their toe in a little bit. Um, if, if you want to really have some some power in your life to be able to to do things for yourself, and that would be to dig into what we call a DAW or a digital digital audio workstation. Or you know, no one really, I don't ever really refer to DAWs in my normal life. Like, hey man, you DAW on today? Um, but 
um, these are these are programs for recording. Um, in some cases, more for live performance, but they're they're tools for processing, um, for affecting, for um, outputting sound. Um, so whether you're recording, playing live, or doing any of these things. And uh, some of the questions we thought we'd discuss today is uh, which one should you use? Um, sort of some of our own experiences with them. If you're starting out, what's a good one to start with? Um, you know, these these programs get really complicated. Um, there's all these tracks. Every track has effects. It has pan and volume and mute and solo and um, you know, there's there's all sorts of crazy audio. Um, chaining you can do you can have buses you can have a main output you can have a monitor like it just goes nuts and then if you if you're also starting fresh on what effects are you know maybe our series has helped where we talk about compression and eq and all these things um but where do you start with this um i i feel like the place you want to start um depending on your goals musically is you want to start with an easy tool and, and kind of get used to the the whole idea of hooking up your instrument and capturing it. Um, and so there's a lot of tools out there. There's a uh, garage band, there's logic pro, there's pro tools, there's Ableton live, there's Cubase. There's, Oh my God, there's so many Reaper, um, Reaper, free one. Yeah. Uh, Reaper's cross platform. Some people use audacity. Yeah. Which that, that is a really, uh, <laughs> basic tool. Um, you yeah. can actually do a lot of stuff with it, but it's definitely not like musician workflow oriented. Um, so where would you start? Um, if, if you were talking to a brand new musician that wanted to be a professional eventually, but you know, just kind of lacked context for everything. I would say start with any trial version or the Reaper free version just to get the hangs of it because the things you're going to do at first are just going to work with tracks and record stuff and sometimes apply effects and um is however different all those doors are um they are very similar in that regard that you will have tracks and you will have effects and you will have a mixer section and in the end just put something out of there and export it so um when you're still doing basic stuff and when you're starting out you're pretty much doing basic stuff all of them will probably work the same way for you and it only when when you start having a certain workflow you will see that a certain dog will support your workflow while others don't mm-hmm. and um which is kind of the reason why i'm really using ableton for everything like at some point i just noticed that i can create ideas very well with it now we also have to um differentiate between people who actually create the music in that DAW or people who just use the DAW to record the music that they wrote without a computer. Because in the second uh, case, pretty much all of them work the same way. As I said, you just need tracks, you just need to record and apply some effects. But especially if you're making electronic music and if you're working in the box all the time, then the workflow is the most important thing. And um, people have bitched about Ableton's sound uh, quality in some ways sometimes about the pan loss and how their dithering <laughs> sucks when exporting. And I don't give a damn about this if I can churn out two songs in a day because my workflow is just perfect for that. Yeah, Just start out with one of them, try out all of them if you can get a hands on a free trial and just yeah go to town with it. Maybe you can do the experiment of record one song in all of them. like. And, and every day change to a different door and just see where the differences lie and um, 
yeah, read a lot of reviews, but in the end, um, it's all about your own workflow. So don't get hang up on people who say, oh, this is the best store ever. Oh, no, this is shitty. Just keep your hands from it. Yeah. I think there's a lot of like, you know, I like Pepsi. I like Coke. Like there's a lot of branding like where people like... I've used Logic for over 10 years now, so I, I'm so invested in it. But I recognize that anything I've been doing in Logic can be done in all of them. And um, I really don't make it a point in my life to really tell someone to use something specific. Um, you know, you could use Adobe Audition if you want something cross-platform or Pro Tools. Or actually, most of them are cross-platform, um, except for Logic after Apple bought yep. it. But, um, now uh, we got you to know, use it. I think another thing that can help if you're a beginner, if you're trying to, to learn a DAW, um, is to kind of have some personal missions, like some, some tasks, some homework assignments to get you going. And, you know, the first thing is, you know, do you know how to hook up your mic so that it gets received by the DAW? That's like step one. Um, do you know how to set your metronome? So if you want to record to a click track and have relatively perfect time instead of just kind of winging it, um, that's another thing that as a beginner, I think you, you want, you want to figure that out. Um, later you can get more advanced. Like what if I want the song to switch time signatures in the middle or, um, change speeds, um, whether it's an instantaneous change or a gradual change, um, that would be more advanced, but you know, worth figuring out for yourself. Um, do you know how to record several different tracks, you know, one after another and then, pan them and kind of get get a mix going if you've never done that before um that's what you know one of the most exciting things about using something like a daw is you're not just making a voice memo on your phone or you know just kind of making a demo you're you're actually you can actually play with arrangement and that's what got me so excited the first time i ever fired up logic um there was actually one we used before that that came with our I can't remember what it was called. It was some really niche one though. Um, and, uh, it was really hard to use. And when I switched to logic, which logic was kind of famously complicated and this was back when it was still had a PC version. Um, but it it just felt more creative. It felt more in touch with like someone who wants to kind of put some paint on, on the palette and, and see what happens. Um, but find find a tool that like you're saying your workflow like that that makes you feel like you can focus on the music and uh y- you can worry about learning how to EQ and compress later it's going to be pretty similar everywhere yeah if you want free tools i mean i said reaper's free it's really a, an unlimited free trial um they they there is a license to to pay for it's cheap i think it's like $79 um I don't use Reaper, but I've recommended it to people because of the low barrier to entry. You don't have to worry about keys or um, complex licensing crap. Um, you can dive right in. Um, but, you know, other industry standards, I would point to Pro Tools, which I've never learned how to use and probably will never learn how to use because I just have never been in a position where I've needed it. Um, Ableton or Logic would are probably... You know, when you're ready to really dig in and get really good at one, those seem like some of the best ones to get into. Yeah. yeah I've also heard that um, Pro Tools is kind of the Photoshop of the audio, audio industry. And I also never gotten to, to really use it. Um, and as you just said, I don't really feel the need for it right now. Um, yeah, Logic, I can't use. <laughs> a lot of electronic musicians just use Ableton because of the flexibility and of the live capabilities. Yeah. And if you buy anything MIDI, any MIDI controller or keyboard, 
um, 80% of the time there's going to be some kind of um, toned down live version in there with a key that you can use that's a little bit better than the trial version you can get online. I think I've got five laying around somewhere here because yeah. everything I buy has a live version with it. Um, <laughs> I used to use Cubase before that. Um, it was okay, but uh, with that I didn't like the workflow and... Uh, I don't know. It, it didn't feel. It didn't feel right. Yeah? As I said, it, it just doesn't feel right. And before that, I made a big mistake of um, the first album of our first uh, school band back in the days was recorded in Sony Vegas uh, video editing tool. Um, don't do that. Just don't. <laughs> video um, they, editing tools are very basic in their audio features. They did have um, the necessary audio effects, like the, the most needed are, of course, EQ and compression. And you, you can go a long way with those alone. But um, yeah, there was no snapping feature for beats or for, for measures. And man, it's just, it was a hassle. It just was, yeah. you know, it wasn't made for that. Um, you can make it work. It's like, what's your frame rate? <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't need this, a frame this rate. This song reco- was recorded at 60 FPS. <laughs> Shouldn't we play our picks of the week then? I think we should. Uh, Shall I go first this time? Yeah, you go first. Sure. Um, My pick this week is by the band Wild Nothing and their song Chinatown. And uh, I had this song on loop all week. It was just stuck in my head from the second I heard it. And uh, especially when it drops down to the four chord, which it does at the end of the verses and also as part of the chorus. Um not to get too music theory oriented, but um, that's just all the feels happen when that chord strikes in this song. Um, so let's just listen to a sample of Chinatown. So yeah, did did you enjoy this track? I definitely did enjoy the track. I love everything about it. Um, there's there's no instrument there which kind of jumps into the foreground. It's mostly the vocals that are in the foreground. What I liked is that it opens with this pad that is panning left and right all the time, and that is that's a cool effect. We talked about the tremolo and panning. I think last episode or the episode before that. So. Mm-hmm. And we're always one episode late on our picks of the week uh, when it comes to FX, FX plane. <laughs> and also it kind of got the vibe of um, orchestral maneuvers in the dark around the, the release of Dazzle Ships. I, I, it kind of felt a bit like that way and which made me love it even more. So um, do other tracks of that artist sound similar or is that a one time? Yeah, they're, they're very much in this space a lot. Um, a different song of theirs I, I very nearly picked, which I, I probably won't pick another one from them just because of variety's sake. But um, definitely worth checking out Wild Nothing. They've got a lot of good songs. Um, kind of mellow, um, a little shoegazy sometimes, um, but very, very pleasant. Um, if, if you check in the show notes, which you can find at sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 37, 
Um, there's a link to a YouTube video which actually uses some footage from an old short film, which I, I'd never seen the short film. But one of the comments on the YouTube video is, why is this movie so sad? Where's the dog? And then a crying uh, emoticon. And uh, so in the in the video, there's a little kid and he's got a dog. And at the end, uh, he loses the dog. And apparently at the end of the short film, it, uh, the dog was uh, given to a... a, a elderly person who needed a companion so it's a happy ending that the dog is providing companionship to someone else but um i don't think that has anything to do with this song at all but um i i really really like this song let's get on to yours though my pick of the week is bright eyes with let's not shit ourselves <laughs> this song kind of fell into that realm about the the six months before i started using spotify um the point where i was still having mp3 tracks on my hard drive and listen to them through through fuba once i started using spotify i kind of built up a new library and listened to some old stuff but i completely forgot about all this stuff that happened the in the half year before that and bright eyes fell into that space where i was listening to them a lot and then i kind of forgot about them and yeah now i got i've gotten back to it and man i completely forgot how, how great that sound is and especially that one song um it goes on for hours and it, it always has another verse coming this way and man it's it's just very powerful track and um let's just have a little bit with it so um i'm gonna need a timpani roll for that so here we go <laughs> So sorry, so selfish He stopped me and said Child, I love you regardless and There's nothing you could do That would ever change this I'm not angry It happens But you just can't do it again That's just so much happening in that song so many little melodies in the background so many instruments come and go all the time and uh, like after every verse another instrument gets a little bit of attention by being able to play some kind of not solo but the main melody and then it phases out again and he goes into another verse and i can listen to that song for hours i wish i would go on it would go on for hours <laughs> it already goes on for like 10 minutes so you, you've got that um Yeah, um, I mean, Bright Eyes, uh, this album, Lifted, or uh, The Story is in the Soil, Keep Your Ear to the Ground, is uh, very indulgent on its uh, lengthy titles and parentheticals, and same with the lyrics. It's uh, um, this To me, this is Bright Eyes' strength. Um, his earnest, expressive lyrics that just kind of go nuts, like um, referring to and explaining and saying and emoting. And, uh, it's kind of a love it or hate it thing. I think it's divisive for some people where they're just like, nope, don't like it. Sorry. Um, but, uh, it is kind of an astonishing thing. And I think it's best captured on this lifted album where it's, it's kind of his opus of albums, in my opinion. Um, and this song's great. I always love the bowl of oranges song and the, the, uh, lover. I don't have to love. Oh, yeah, that one. There's so many good songs on this album. And uh, this one, I think the the real star is the lyrics, though. I mean, 
you described all the instrumentation and that is well done and supports it well, but I think it lives or dies by the lyrics in this song. Yeah. And we haven't even gotten to the part where he screams because I, I think you need context <laughs> for that. So, um, you should really check that out. It has this weird atmosphere right at the end after the, the outro, which sometimes I feel like this is, ah, come on. Oh, I don't need that right now. It just felt so great. I mean, it, it works with the song, of course, but, I always like to skip that part because I personally feel like I want to end the song where the music stops and just have all of that in the end gone. Uh, people yeah. have described it that this is the, the song they want to hear when they die. And I felt like, yeah, it would work well until that creepy part at the end. Then I would get scared. <laughs> yeah. And with that, we have episode 37 of Bits and Pieces. Thank you for listening. Uh, if you're still with us, you can check out the show notes for links to all these songs and articles and things we discussed at uh, sunriserobot.net slash bits and pieces slash 37. And we love feedback and me and Matt both basically live online. Uh, I'm inside a computer right now. And so if you want to communicate with us, ask us questions, suggest new topics, uh, we love all these things. Um, you can tweet at us. Uh, I'm at Medwards Music and Matt, you are at Echolox, E-C-H-O-L-O-X. We will definitely follow up if you send us some stuff. Um, while you're at it, uh, if you're on our website or online right now, you should uh, subscribe to our show so you get new episodes automatically. Um, you can use the RSS or iTunes button on our website, or you can search for bits and pieces uh, inside of a podcast app. Most of them have a, a way to search uh, a catalog. Um, if you're on iOS, I love the app Overcast.fm. It's a great way to listen to podcasts on iPhone or iPad. If you're on Android, you could use Podcast Addict or Pocket Casts. Um, they're both great choices. Um, if you'd like to support us, uh, Sunrise Robot is our network. Uh, we have six different shows. Uh, you can head to patreon.com slash sunrise robot. And uh, every dollar you send uh, helps us keep the tapes rolling. We don't use tapes, but metaphors. Um, and uh, helps us keep doing this. Uh, we love podcasting. We like trying to create some great content. Um, so definitely think about that. And depending on the level you support us, you can uh, get your get a shout out on every episode. So we want to give some special thanks to Bruce Edwards and Andreas Langa. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>